Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today we're talking player board tactics with Mark Romanak from Fishing 411 TV. Mark works with Offshore Tackle, but there's a lot of great advice here regardless of what planer boards you're using. Now let's check out the interview. We wanted to talk a little bit about Offshore Tackle first and kind of what they've got going on and, and what you like there. Tell us a little bit about uh, Offshore Tackle boards. Well, of course, I don't think it comes as any surprise that Offshore is kind of the leader when it comes to inline planer board fishing. Um, they've been around a long time. Um, the OR12, which is the, you know, what they call their side planer to their uh, workhorse planer board. Um, I think it's been on the market pretty close to 30 years now. Um, it was myself, it was Gary Parsons, it was Keith Tobias, um, and it was Bruce DeShano collectively that came together uh, to prototype this board and bring it to market. And uh, and once it hit the market, it expanded very, very quickly. And there's just, if you follow the walleye tournament trail, virtually everybody is fishing the offshore board. And there's a reason for it. Um, it's an American-made product. It is bulletproof it can be fished with a multitude of different releases so you can fish it with virtually any line you want you can use it to pull almost anything you're going to troll with and as a result um you know the offshore board is now coast to coast um the boat you know the board that everybody else is compared to i would tend to agree i, I again in my tackle bomb that i went through uh last year i had a, a tote of offshore boards where it's like I really need to, you know, you take releases off a of board and you throw it in there and, and, you know, you're switching releases out here and there. And actually, I think, uh, um, and I can't, you could probably clarify this, Mark, that does, does offshore, do they distribute the, the silver hoard that I think it's the Sam's release? Is that, is that something they it's distribute now? Yeah. Um, Cause I had switched out a bunch of boards and, and I uh, was playing with those on some of the braid lines and pretty, pretty neat, pretty neat device. What they did is that the Silver Horde release, the SAMS, the Pro release, is a really unique release in that um, it is functional with braided line. It's probably the, right. one of the best possible choices for braided line. And so we approached Silver Horde um, and worked out a marketing agreement through Offshore so that we're marketing them and selling them actually even in our packaging and stuff. Um, we actually even approached them with the idea of buying the release. We like it so much, but Silver Horde wants to hang on to the rights of the release, which is fine. Uh, they're willing to, uh, to private label sell them to us, and, uh, and we're selling them to dealers coast to coast now. So actually, it's the best of both worlds, but it's not a, a design that Offshore Tackle came up with. Uh, Silver Horde Tackle Company came up with this design, and uh, actually have one here. I can, uh, I can hold it up here a little bit here so you can see what it looks like. And... Um, the beauty of it is it's a plunger style release and it is designed specifically to handle braid. Doesn't work with mono, can't use it with mono, can't use it with fluorocarbon. Um, but if you're that guy that wants to troll with braid or if you're doing things like maybe using braid as a backer line for your light cores, or your coppers, uh, your weighted steels, that's the release you're looking for. It is flawless. It works every time. And uh, we're proud to put it in the product line. Yeah, I, th I think Russell exposed it, you know, first exposed me to it. And that's and that was the scenario was, you know, on a braided backer, you know, underneath, underneath core or, or, uh, you know, the weighted steel, um, line. So. All right. Uh, this is the most common question I think we ever get whenever we talk about, uh, planar boards. And this one's from Neil. He wants to know if you change anything on the board from the as delivered setup. And I'll bet you, you hear this a few times at the shows as well, Mark. 
I do. This is a very, very common question. And there's all kinds of things that people talk about doing the planer boards. And uh, um, in many cases, they don't necessarily make things better. The most common thing is people want to know that weight in the bottom of the board. Should I move it? Should I move it forward or should I move it back? Will the board run better if I do this or if I do that? And, um, and honestly, for the average fisherman, um, 99 times out of 100, leave the, the board alone just the way it comes and you're probably going to be better off. Uh, but there are some modifications you can consider uh, that are going to do things a little bit differently for you. If you're pulling something on a planer board that's really heavy, um, maybe you got, you know, 10 colors of lead core, 15 colors of lead core, um, and the board is kind of standing up in the front, you can slide uh, the weight at the bottom of the board a little bit further forward to counterbalance that and bring the nose back down a little bit. When the nose comes down, it bites the water a little bit better and you get a little bit more playing ability. So it allows you to take that heavy lead core and get it out to the side a little further. Um, but for most applications, um, honestly, I tell people to leave the board just the way it is when it comes out of the package um, and you'll be more happy. All right. Uh, here's one from Jeff on Facebook. And Jeff wants to know, when you're pulling multiple boards, how do you avoid getting those tangles? And that's probably the most common question. It's certainly right there close in the common questions. I think one of the reasons that people tangle lines is they don't understand the fundamentals of trolling. Uh, if you're stacking multiple board lines, if you've got three or four board lines, you really want to take your shortest lead, your highest in the water column lures, and put them to the outside. So your outside board, your furthest board away is going to be your high line. Then the next board, say your middle board, is going to be a little deeper, and your inside board is going to be a little deeper yet. And if you do that, you'll stagger your lines nicely. Um, but there's also tangles that associate from how you're positioning your rods in rod holders. That outside line we talked about, the high line, that has to be in the furthest forward rod holder. So if you've got tube style rod holders on your boat, that would be the one closest to the to the steering wheel on your boat. And then of course the middle line would be in the middle and um, your inside line would be near the back. I also recommend, and this is something I've been doing for years, is rod holder trees solve a lot of line problems or line tangle problems with planer boards. Um, because you're stacking your rods vertically and you can keep your rod tips spaced quite a ways apart and the line is much further off the water than it would be with a tube holder, you almost never have an issue with one line crossing another. Um, some guys call it line jumping. Um, that's virtually eliminated if you use um, trees to uh, control your rods as opposed to tube holders or saddle holders. Those things right there, if you follow those recommendations, uh, you'll have very few tangles with planer boards. All right. How about releases? Uh, William Baker says uh, pros and cons of using mono, braid, or Dacron with board releases. What are your preferences? This is kind of interesting because if we were having this conversation a decade ago, I would say that 90% of the fishermen would have been running mono and there wouldn't be any question with it whatsoever. Um, but these days, and I ask this question in seminars quite commonly. In fact, just at Outdoor Rama over the weekend, I asked this question. And it typically comes up that about 50% of fishermen are running braid as their main line. About 50% are running monofilament or fluorocarbon as their main line. So it's a, it's a kind of a toss up here in, uh, you know, everybody has their personal preferences. I'm still that mono guy. I like the control, you know, the controlled stretch and monofilament. Um, but I would also go so far as to say that when I'm fishing mono, when I'm trolling, I rarely ever have a lead length longer than 100 feet. I really don't want long leads with mono because I know if I get longer leads, I'm going to need too much stretch. I'm probably not going to get a good hookup ratio. So if I have to get deeper, 
I'll either add weight to the line, something like a snap weight, or I will go to a braided line that's thinner in diameter to get me the depth that I'm looking for. So I almost never run a lead back further than 100 feet for that very purpose. So it becomes personal preference. And however you decide to go, if you go mono, there'll be certain releases you'll have to use. If you go braid, there'll be different releases that you'll have to use. But once you've accomplished those goals, uh, you'll do this fine. All right, here's one from Scott. He says, uh, when fishing salmon, do you want you to set your boards to release or stay engaged and why? Well, I release my boards and I have been doing it for a long time. And there's a fair amount of misconception out there. People think that releasing a planer board, an inline planer board, creates slack in the line and causes you to lose fish. And I think this goes back to the early days of inline boards. The first inline boards that we produced had a release on the front. And then instead of having a release on the back of the board, they had a pigtail, just a little clip. And what we did is we put the pigtail over top of the line. We put the line inside the, the release on the front. So when a fish bit and we tripped the board, the board actually was physically sliding down the line to the fish. And indeed, that was creating some slack in the line. And it created a situation where all of a sudden the board's all the way down by the fish and you're really in the board and the fish in together at the end. Um, I quit doing that many, many years ago because it just wasn't efficient. These days, we do it a little bit differently, and um, it's kind of awkward here with a planer board, but I can kind of give you the right idea. You know, I've got a lure here that I toss in the water. Um, that line is attached to the back of the board, and this is an OR-16 clip here. And then the front of the board, it's attached here, um, and then the line will go back up here. It will go back up to my rod. And if you look closely, you'll notice that there's a little bit of a loop of line here. And the beauty of this, we call it the loop trick. What happens when this board, um, when a fish bites and this board is pulling backward, when you take your rod out of the holder and you put some pressure on it, watch that loop as I pull. That loop is going to come out and it pops free from the front release. And now the planer board is just kind of dangling on the line by the back release. This is fundamentally very important. And the reason it's important is because you tripped your board. It's no longer planing, but it's still pegged on the line at exactly the same location. When you come tight on your rod and that and that line pops from the uh, from the front release, you're actually coming tight on the fish in the same instant. Zero slack. Virtually never lose fish doing this. And the beauty of this is that if you stack two, three, four lines aside, you can trip a board and fight that fish without having to clear any inside lines. And I get into this all the time with my friends in Ohio because in Ohio, guys all run the snapper releases and they have to clear boards in order to you know the reel in fish from outside lines. And I'm like, guys, why are you doing this? You don't have to. The loop trick is flawless. Um, it works every single time. And if you don't want to use mono, you can use the Sam's Pro release and do exactly the same thing with braid. Here's a good one. And I think this kind of uh, kind of echoes what we're hearing from, you know, a lot of new anglers to the Great Lakes uh, in seminars. And this is uh, from Chris Anghart over on Facebook. And it says, uh, do you use a particular rod and reel setup for your for your boards? I do. Um, for many years now, I've been using telescoping rods. And the reason for it is that we fish out of relatively small boats. We're in 20-foot platforms. And so the traditional eight-and-a-half or nine-foot two-piece planer board rod um, is awkward in a boat like that. There's no place to put it. It won't fit in the rod lockers. It just gets in the way. They end up laying on the floor. And, of course, somebody stumbles on one, and you end up with broken rods. So we've gone to telescoping rods. And we've gone to shorter rods over the years. We used to use eight and a half foot rods. Now we're all the way down to seven and a half foot rods. And when it's telescoped down, it's under six foot. So it slides in and out of the rod blocker smoothly, easily. easily. Um, there's never any issue there. Um, seven and a half foot rod, medium action, 
um, 10 pound test, something around 13 to 14 thousandths in diameter line is virtually the perfect setup for walleye. Um, if I'm going for a larger species like trout and salmon, um, I might bump that up to 16 or 20 pound test line. Um, but still, that rod is still capable of handling that. Um, the other nice thing about these shorter rods is, is that um, they move around the boat very nicely. Um, they're easy to put, you know, you know, wherever they need to be without any kind of cumbersome you know, problems there. And um, I just find that there's nothing that beats a, a telescoping rod these days. All right. You talk a little bit about avoiding tangles, you know, when you're just kind of running your, your setup. But how about making those turns? What's a tip that you could give people as far as trying to keep those lines from really getting kind of messed up when you're making those turns? Well, there's no doubt that turning the boat is where you're most likely going to have a problem with tangles. And I think the issue is, is that most of us, the reason we're turning the boat in the first place is that we just hit some fish. All right. So we just caught a couple of fish. Maybe we had a double on or something. We're all excited. We want to get back to that waypoint as soon as possible. And as a result of that, we start making our turns, but we're too tight. Um, you've got to think about when you're using planer boards, you got to think about making very, very wide turns, like driving a semi truck. All right. If you're going to drive a semi truck, you got to take the turns extra wide. And it's the same when you've got all those boards out there. If you're noticing while you're turning that your boards on the inside are going slack, you're turning too tightly. So you need to go more gradually. Now, if you're in a big hurry and you're impatient, you can speed up while you turn. There's no reason why you can't speed up to make the process go a little faster. Um, but you still have to go wide. If you try to cut it too tight, every time you're going to end up with tangled lines and you're going to spend more of your time untangling your tackle than you are catching fish. All right. Uh, here's one from YouTube, uh, Bob Cox. He says, uh, when you're adding cannonball weights, how much depth do you get per ounce of weight? He says he's hearing a lot of different answers from a lot of different people. That's a good question. I honestly don't know how to respond to that other than to say that um, for years I just ran a 10-pound downrigger ball. And I, I made it work for everything. Um, these days, I'm actually running 20-pound downrigger balls. And the reason for it is I want less cable sway. I want less blowback. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, my technology, my fish hawk is functioning in the ability to give me the most accurate data possible. And the more blowback you have, uh, you know, the more fudge factor you have there. So 20-pound weights, there's almost no blowback whatsoever. Um, and so they function very, very nicely. We do a lot of stuff like bottom track where we're trying to keep our downrigger balls with uh, very close to the bottom and following the contour using our cannon downriggers. And as a result of that, those heavy downrigger balls are very important for that as well. So you could compromise and go somewhere in between. But the biggest problem with going with a large downrigger ball is that most riggers can't handle them. It's just that simple. Um, a lot of riggers just don't have strong enough motors to raise a 20 pound downrigger ball. Um, the Canon um, Optima TS, or TS, TSs, I guess, is the ones that we've been using in recent years. They're fabulous. Um, they bring that 20-pound downrigger ball up so fast it'll blow your mind. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't even phase up. I, I think Bob's question, actually, Mark, you know, kind of reading between the lines on it, was maybe more addressed to snap weights as far as, uh, you know, maybe your 50-50 rule, I think, is maybe where he was coming from. Well, um, completely different thing. Snap yeah, weights. obviously, yeah. Um, you know, the interesting thing about snap weights is that people have been using weight on fishing line to get crankbaits deeper or other lures deeper for a long time. Um, but through precision trolling, I believe we're the only ones who have ever combined a two ounce snap weight with a fixed lead, a 50 foot lead and a specific lure and then also specific speeds um, and then all the lead lengths that you would use in combination with that. So essentially what it does is it creates a very, very accurate 
piece of information. So you anything else that you would use, a one-ounce weight, a one-and-a-half, um, a three-ounce weight, anything else is guesstimating at this point in time because nobody's ever tested any of that to know what it would or what it wouldn't do. There's no rule of thumb. You can't say by adding an extra half ounce, you're going to pick up another two feet or five feet because it's all speed relevant. That reminds me of like leg core manufacturers. Leg core manufacturers are, are famous for saying their leg, go, leg core goes six feet per color. No, it doesn't. It goes six feet per color at a certain speed. But as you, you know, vary your speed, that lead core is going to rise or sink in the water column. It's the same with snap weights. And so ultimately, uh, the only way to have this information is through the precision trolling app. And the 50 plus two method is now available in about 75 or 80 different crankbaits, which um, we picked the popular walleye ones. And there's some salmon lures in there as well, like maglip, which we use commonly to catch uh, Chinook salmon. Mark, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us tonight, talking some some uh, planer board tactics and just talking a little offshore tackle with everybody. Uh, obviously, we've been putting it up there. If people want to know more about you, they can go to fishing411.net. And uh, you talked a little bit about a few other things. Uh, any other shout outs you want to do before we let you go? No, I just thought I would. Uh, I, would uh, I was watching Jake's presentation before mine. And uh, I can tell you what, the kid makes me proud. <laughs> he's doing a great job and uh man if i'd have known as much about fishing at his age uh when i was his age boy i'd, I'd like to turn the clock back about uh about well about 30 years <laughs> I, I i think he i think he's got a bit of a competitive advantage uh, maybe <laughs> growing up so so i think you did something right on your end to uh to get the results that uh that you're so proud of today so cool well appreciate it mark have a great night thanks for uh, coming on the show this evening thanks for having me Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.